good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. Griffin is here. And since it's a Friday, he is the Chief Grand Poobah at Pressbox. Our buddy Stan the Fan Charles back in studio with us. Double dipping this week here in studio on GCR. Good to see you, sir. That's right. Uh, was here earlier in the week. Indeed. You had a nice uh, cameo appearance. Just uh, popped in. You were taping a special, I believe, across the hall. And so you said, oh, I'll wander and say hello to the guys. And I appreciated yeah. that. Uh, are we going to Is that the Christmas spectacular that we're going to see we're later this year? the Christmas spectacular. Uh, d- big dance numbers, obviously. Yeah. I look forward to that a great deal. Boy, did you see? Do you watch uh, America's Got talent i don't it's been a long time since i've watched america right. they had an uh they had a performance when i say last night it's when whenever my wife calls me in and says you got to see this it was some either chinese or japanese dance dance group like true yeah it was absolutely one of the most riveting things really i've ever seen okay all right if you can find it on youtube or sign griffin to it no yeah. Can you can you look into it, Griff? Uh, this is, I mean, yeah, this yeah, is your look at most it, yeah. important responsibility. Is, okay. yeah. Forget everything yeah. else. Forget the guests. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Right, Got to get that done for me. Also, yeah. if you ever think the computers aren't listening, literally, as I suggested, that Stan was taping his Christmas special, his Bob Hope Christmas special, where he's going to unveil the AP All American College Football Team and the whole deal. I I get I look down at my my email is up, and the email that I see is from our friends at the Lyric informing me that. A Charlie Brown Christmas is coming to the Lyric this year. And I'm telling you... That was because you mentioned Christmas. Computers are listening. They're always, always, always listening. Just happened at the exact same time. Coming up on the program today, we will uh, check in with our buddy Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer. Ravens play their preseason opener tomorrow night against the Eagles. We'll uh, try to see if there's anything worth watching in said contest. Uh, the one thing that hit me when I said, boy, they're playing the Eagles. That's a pretty good team. How many How many straight games have they won in preseason? In the preseason, it's 23. Yes. 23. I think it comes to an end. Oh, what? You, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. This has been the safest bet in all of sports yep. betting. Yep. I was going to tell everyone yep. to go Hammer. sign up right now at Superbook.com. Use the code GlennClark23, or if you want Stan Charles23, but I've heard GlennClark23 is better. That's all I've, I, something I've heard. Okay. And I would. You hit your bet at a higher rate. When you right. Take Glenn that $250 first bet, put it on the Ravens tomorrow night to continue the streak. And well, then, who's going to be favored in the game? That's not well, just. I think I saw the Ravens not only are favored, I think I saw they're favored by like six points, which is unheard really? of. Really? Unheard of. Guess, in the preseason. I guess Jalen Hurts isn't going to play well, at all. Well, nobody's playing in this <laughs> yeah. game. But one team appears they asked to care. Me, the Eagles actually reached out to me. They said that if you, they, if they you had a, a wide couple receiver. of snaps in you. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I would go to Superbook.com, bet $250 on the Ravens to win, because here's the good news. The most likely scenario is you're going to win your bet, get your winnings, and get $250 worth of free bets. Do they, match, do they match your first bet? Win or lose. Win or lose. Win or lose if you use the code at Superbook. Yeah. Stan Charles it. 23. Well, right, and that's okay, but I would prefer Glenn Clark 23. We're actually a secretly, this is a war between Stan and I. Uh, and at the end, the winner gets to a, throw uh, the other one into the harbor, actually, I believe dang. is the way. I think I got my first one uh, is signing up today. Oh, boy. Yeah. Is that I don't know how Is to monitor it. Yeah. I, I, I that, hope we've had a few sign up. It's that Japanese Chinese oh, the, the dance band. They, they yeah. said if you mention all, us, every single one of them yeah. will yeah. sign up. Was That's it a Chibi Unity? Was that the name of the? Were they wearing hoodies, Stan? 
The, What's that? The, the yeah. dancer. They yeah. were in hoodies. It was, yeah. Watch watch it until Glenn get vouch. Yeah, do live play by play, please. Okay. Yeah, right. Yes, it looks like it was, yeah, it looks like it was Monday or Tuesday night. All right, I tell you what, just send me the video and I'll look at it when I get the opportunity. I'm going to give you the the spoiler alert. Yeah, they actually got the whatever they call it on there, the golden ticket. Oh, okay. They got the they go through to the final. Yes, oh boy, the golden buzzer. The golden oh, buzzer. Boy. That's right. Golden buzzer. All right, uh, so we'll preview the Ravens op- uh, preseason opener. Also, we'll preview Orioles, Mariners, Seattle legendary play-by-play voice Rick Riz will join us later on in the program as well. Stan, they've been playing pretty good baseball. Very good baseball of late. Um, Stan, I did uh, uh, some. I did a fill-in show last night on 105.7, and I ended up doing about an hour with calls on this topic. So I'm going to give it to you today. Mm -hmm. Orioles do salvage the finale of the series against the Astros. Got very hairy again in the ninth inning, but thankfully this time Felix Batista held on. They salvage one. They keep the streak of not getting swept alive. The question that I asked was, what did this week, from just the baseball standpoint, just the the on-the-field stuff, what did that tell us about where the Orioles are in terms of their ability to compete in the playoffs with the best teams in baseball? Despite the fact that they lost two games, I thought, look, you can can say we woulda, shoulda, coulda Mm -hmm. until the cows come home, but I thought we obviously should have won the first game of the series we're not even really questioning that if we win that first game correct now you can't go back and put the toothpaste back in the tube i'm i'm feeling pretty good about this team uh you know um i had a real problem and asked brandon a question the other night in the post game interview and he basically blew me off uh, didn't really take it seriously. I did not understand at all. Now, at the time, I didn't realize Cologne was totally unavailable. Right. But I still, when when Shintaro Fujinami walks two guys in a row. Two of the guys at the bottom care. of the order. Yeah, I don't care how close he is to the strike zone. His ball fours weren't even in mm-hmm. remotely close. I'm taking him out of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not waiting to walk. I want Michael Bauman to face Martin Maldonado, not Jose Altuve. Sure. You know, with two outs. I, if I got to get one out to get out of that inning, I just thought it was a bad bit of managing. Uh, one. One of the points that you're making is uh, there were two big takeaways that I had. This was a really good hour of conversation that ended up happening. I was stunned by the quality of the calls that we were mm. getting last night. Made me very happy. Um, <laughs> two big takeaways that came through the first is the bullpen right that like the separating factor is less like you you feel like you're getting enough from your starting pitching it's not overwhelming but you're getting enough even when jack flaherty didn't really have it the other night he battled got through five innings innings, gave you an opportunity to win the game you feel like you're getting something quality from your starting pitching you also feel like while the lineup isn't perfect it is producing at a level that you should be able to win games but the bullpen appears to be the separating factor between the Orioles and the best teams in baseball that that's where you just don't have a ton of confidence everybody's had their moments everybody's had you know even Webb the other day comes in in his first game and looks brilliant for an inning and a lot of people were asking why didn't you let him have a second inning at that point because he was overwhelming through his first three batters. Struck out all three. Correct. Yeah. Um, but that that appears to be the area where there's a little bit of separation between 
the the again the best teams the Astros the Braves the Dodgers and then the Orioles is just not having as many arms that you really have faith in now we'll see as some of these guys start coming back whether they go to the bullpen or who that bumps back to the bullpen what is Coulomb's injury it was oh god not a knee I don't think it was. I think it was a oh, hang on, hang on, Lord, uh, biceps tendon, tendonitis. Okay, um, that could be two or three weeks. And and that's what everybody's when you hear biceps tendonitis, everyone's initial response is that might be more than fifteen days. Yeah. Brandon High downplayed that yesterday. Said they're expecting it to be right around the fifteen day window. We will see. Um, For anybody that plays fantasy baseball, can attest to this. All you need to do is go to CBS Sports. Their little capsules are so enlightening. I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. They're, they're not helpful doubt, at all. The worst, you okay. Know. Well, thanks a lot, CBS. Yeah. We're going to yeah. declare war on CBS. Actually, that's not true. We're not going to do that. Um, there really is in for people that gamble on sports and and put a lot of money on fantasy baseball. There really is no great place to get injury updates. It's treated so. Poorly, it's amazing. With ESPN's this, which, is okay. Um, I what's think that? The ESPN's is okay. They're they have like a little news bubble for each player, right? They, that usually stays pretty up to date. Okay, um, but can't uh, speak for CBS Sports. The other big takeaway that I got yesterday, and I thought th- this to me was mine, was just a reminder of these teams are so good that your margin for error becomes really slim in these moments. Well, your margin for error yesterday hinged on an error, a, a terrible error by uh, CNL Perez. Correct. That if he had made that out, it would have been the third out of the eighth inning. We would have faced seven, eight, and mm-hmm. nine. Instead, two more hitters batted that inning. We had to face out two. V- it, it's amazing. You can't give a good team an inch because they will take a mile. Look, Austin Hayes got there to catch the ball yesterday but didn't catch the ball. And I'm not trying to say that's an easy play or anything along those lines, but those are the types of plays that you have to make when you're playing the Houston Astros. If you don't get that out, even, look, it's absurd to suggest that it's disappointing that Ramon Arias didn't catch that screaming liner because the truth is just by getting in front of it, he saved the game, right? Right. Like, if that ball gets past him, the game is tied. tied, No question about it. But still, against the Astros, you almost have to make those types of plays. You almost have to go above and beyond, Jorge Mateo. And, and they did They did basically that whole game yesterday up until sure. those couple The Frazier plays play, that, of yeah. course, was outstanding. Urias on yep. the leadoff, you know. 100%. Yeah. I, but you saw on Tuesday that first catch that Mateo makes is great, but then when he's... When he wasn't dancing. Ultimately, it was a routine play. Like, that's the second one, and we can debate whether or not Jorge Mateo should have been in center field in the ninth inning of that game. When you put Ryan McKenna in right, why don't you put him in center at that point? Like, we can have that conversation, but whoever's out there has got to make that play. There's no need for you to be leaping for that ball. That ball is in the air waiting for you. I get that you're trying to prove that you can do cool things so you can warrant your spot on the roster, but you don't need to do a cool thing here. You just need to go catch the ball and not have the bases be loaded at that point. So, In fairness, uh, Brandon Hyde defended him by saying there are very few center fielders that would have gotten to that ball, considering where he was playing. I, so I, I get that. I didn't get a great view of that. I was at the ballpark, and the TVs for replays are really small up there. I don't know. I just didn't get a great glimpse of it. Luke told me that he didn't even really have to jump he for the ball. He did not have to yeah. jump for the ball yeah. in any way. And I don't know. To say a lot of center fielders, uh, 
most time, most of the time your center fielder is out there because of his range, because of his athleticism. I certainly Cedric Mullins is getting to that ball. Would McKenna have got? Would Colton Kowser have gotten to that ball? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, it it yeah. looked like one they should have been able to get. I, I, I think that ball was in the air longer than Jorge Mateo realized it was going mm-hmm. to be in the air yeah. in that situation. Yeah. All that being said, it goes back to the margin for error that they. Even when it looked like the other night, like Framber Valdez was a mess and you could just pile on as many runs as you want, Dusty Baker still had the confidence to say, we'll run him, keep running him back yep. out there for more innings twofold. We think he's going to be okay and he'll settle down. And we're not going to screw up the ability to win tomorrow night because we're not going to hurt our bullpen as much. They have the ability to do that because they don't have to worry about innings limits for their pitchers the way that Brandon Hyde has to worry about innings limits for his pitchers. You just... The margin for error against the Astros specifically, and obviously were you to get to the World Series and face the Dodgers or Braves, those three teams are so good top to bottom, have so many of the boxes checked. And I, the Rangers on paper are that team, but we just have not really seen them put it all together in that way. That that was the big takeaway for me is that you just you can't make any errors at all, any mistake at all. These teams are too good. They're going to capitalize yep. on it. No question about it. No question about it. The Orioles now go to Seattle. We expect Cedric Mullins to return tonight. That's been the expectation. The first question is, who goes? And I feel like it's between Ryan McKenna and Colton Kalzer. And I've started in my mind leaning towards Colton Kalzer being the answer. That's a that's a tricky one. There's no question about it. Um, I would say, based on the Grayson Rodriguez litmus test, it would be it would be Kowser that goes down. Meaning that we know he's a terrific player mm-hmm. and will be, but right now, I think McKenna possibly adds a little bit more. I will tell you one thing: of that entire outfield that the Orioles have. I feel more comfortable when Colton Kowser is fielding a ball than any other outfielder we have. That's really interesting. Yeah. Really? Yeah, at any position. Hmm. He's played all three positions, I think, exceedingly well. I feel like he is unf- – I feel like at this point the argument is – like the production part of it obvi- is obvious. Yeah. I think the other part is it seems like Brandon Hyde's reluctant to play him, and I think that Colton Kowser needs to play. And so, until minor league season is over, look, both of these guys likely are going to be gone when Hicks comes back, right? Like, when Hicks comes back, it's one or the other. I don't think there's another option unless someone else gets hurt, obviously. And, Mm -hmm. of course, you know, right? Like, let's do that. Well, those things always – there's an old adage they they have a way to work themselves out. A hundred percent. But if you've got to make a decision today – about a roster spot. Yeah, I would think Hicks and Mullins would replace Kowser and McKenna, the one other option. But I think Brandon still sensibly knows that Mateo has a tremendous amount of value. You know. Oh, it seems and, abundantly and, clear that they are yeah. hell-bent on keeping his speed on yeah. the roster for the playoffs. Yeah. It seems... I, I, it's a weapon. And at this point, considering the roster does still expand to, what, 28 in September... I think it. You can say, "Hey, we're all we're really doing is keeping him for another three weeks, and then the roster expands, and then we can use a roster spot in the playoffs on someone who's just nothing other than a, you know, a, a pinch runner, a guy that we can try to take advantage of." Refresh his speed. my memory in the in the postseason, 
They have to have been on your roster by prior September, September 1st. 1st, I believe, yes. Okay. I believe that's the case. I'll okay. double I'll double check it, but I believe that is yeah. the case. Yeah. So I, I I get it, and I do think that you're right that that at this point they're not doing anything with Mateo. They've yeah. they've ridden it out this long. And he does still hit against left-handers. I mean, he's hitting 300 against left-handers yeah. this season. So they they look at those numbers. Those numbers matter. And for whatever his shortcomings are, they've decided that they think he has value because of it. And so I think that you're 100% right that they're not going to move Jorge Mateo. Yeah. And so I do think it's down to those two guys, again, save for something else happening between now and then. But for today, I, I, I if you it has to be one or the other. I think it's I think it's Kowser. Now, if you were comfortable Look, using Kowser in the McKenna role and just saying he's going to be a defensive replacement right. and that's his role with this team and we'll worry about his offensive production again next year, like then we can listen to that, but I don't think that's a good way to treat Colton Kowser in the grand scheme, scheme of things. I, Brandon has seems to have a real affinity for McKenna. You know, he just trusts him and uh I'm not going to question that. I mean, I think we all know that Kowser ultimately is a more significant player. No question. But uh, for three weeks, like you say, uh, you know, and you, you'd make the assumption that Kowser would be eligible to be on the postseason roster by being one of the 28 people. Right. Yeah, they have to be on the 40-man or 60-day 60 60 injured list right. uh, on by, by September 1st. 1st. Yes. 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 Right. Uh, October 31st at 11.59 is the technical... Wait, what? August 31st. August 31st, yes. Who's this player that the Orioles acquired, uh, this guy playing first base now? Oh, who's this guy? This Mountcastle? Mountcastle guy? A lot of us owe some apologies. A lot of us owe some apologies. A lot of us Well, I'll tell you a funny story about that. I'm on the air in 1985, and Mike Young, and I'm on after every Oriole game, Mike, the Orioles bring up Mike Young. He had played briefly... He shows up as having played on the 83 team. That must have been like a real cup, like a mini cup of coffee. But um, it's 85, and they're playing them every day. And um, no, it was, yeah, it was it was 84 he had played a bunch. And 85 they're playing them. And it's mid-May to June. And I start beating up on Mike Young mm-hmm. that he is – there's no way this guy's a major league player, and yada da da da. He just can't catch up the, the pitching, and he's really in over his head. He's never going to amount to anything. Look up how Mike Young did from about July first, nineteen eighty-five, till the end of the season. Mm-hmm. He had arguably one of the best three-month stretches, I would say, in uh, close to in Oriole history. He was just absolutely amazing. And I go on the air, and I, you know, when you just said about Ryan Mackhouse, some of us owe him some apologies. Serious mea culpas. Yeah. Uh, um, Mike Young in July of that season hit 319 with a 374 on base percentage. In August, 298 with a 374 on base percentage. How so, many home runs? Uh, in about 15 June, home July runs and in August, the, yeah. he combined for, so, so from July to the end of the season, 22. 22. He had yeah. 28, I think, for the season. Yeah. He looked to be a – and I went on the air one night and I said, boy, I got to eat my words. You know, Mike Young has turned into really yep. a nice player. He was dominant. Mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. The next year, 
There were two players on that 85 team. They were Floyd Rayford, okay. who hit over 300 as a catcher, mm-hmm. third baseman, and Mike Young, who had had that tremendous season. Now, remember, we already had a guy named Cal Ripken and a yeah. guy named Eddie Murray. Yeah, I've heard of those guys. And there were some other good players on that team, and we made the assumption that These those guys, were the players we, yeah. we were going to see. Mm-hmm. And I remember that season, 86, I was early in the season – I don't term it bashing. I was questioning what's going on with Eddie Murray. He didn't look that good, and Cal Ripken wasn't hitting that well. And it's like about May the 1st. And Weaver comes up to me because he, he and I used to have a really good relationship. And he'd walk past me, and he goes, I listen to your show. He goes, you think I really give a rat's ass what Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray are hitting right now? And I go, well, there." he goes, They've done it before. They've done it year in and year out. The two guys I worry about are those two. He points to Floyd Rayford and Young. Young. And they were horrible the the rest of the season. So when you apologize about a player. Well, yeah, it certainly doesn't mean it doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to go to Cooperstown. But this guy, it it begs the question, seriously. We we witnessed what Ryan Mountcastle was for the month before that he had the vertigo. Did he have vertigo that they didn't know about? He looked so freaking bad that and and I bring it up because of Rizzo played apparently like six, seven with weeks a concussion. with yeah. a concussion. That's a great point. I, I think he's alluded to the idea that at a point he thought he was swinging at three baseballs instead of swinging at one. Okay. Um, it would have been nice to know, and yeah, it certainly would have been nice. So to he's know. a good player, but, he's but, a poor, but you, you know, it's funny. You and I, judgment, but you though. and I talked about this for a young man, yeah. that doesn't understand what's going on, and is always like at that age in your life, you feel like you have control of everything, and when something's wrong, you're just not inclined to be able to speak it through and say this is because you don't understand it. You've never been through something like that before. How do you explain to someone? You know, you just feel like you're. you're it was letting... the worst. It was the worst period of his career. There's, There's no, no question, question about, about it. And yeah. he's been un. And not just against Toronto, obviously, he has been unbelievable. I was sitting the other night in the front row uh, of the game. The game he hit the home run, the yeah. massive home run. And I was talking to my brother, and I just heard a sound. <sighs> and I turned and I watched that ball, and I said, "Man, is that hit power? Just yeah. absolutely hammered. No yeah. question." All right, if we decide, is it the second longest I home think run or third it's, longest? It's in, st- in the Statcast era. It's the longest. Uh, a Statcast, but Strawberries right. is the longest. I believe. I believe that's what it was. I'll yeah. double check. All right, Correa Griffin. was four seventy four, and Mountcastle Correa, was yeah. four seventy two. I mean, it was just unreal. All right, uh, tomorrow night, Stan, the Baltimore Ravens play their first preseason game as they host the Philadelphia Eagles. Joining us now to. I guess preview that, talk more about what's been going on this week out in Owings Mills. He is Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka. Bo, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, as you know, this is not for me. I do not care for preseason football. I will not be uh, spending my time with preseason football tomorrow night. But for those that will, give me a couple names. We know that the regulars are not playing. They made that announcement yesterday. That's not surprising. It's the right thing to do. Who are a couple of names to you that will be interesting for fans that will have the opportunity to watch the game? I mean, I, I, I think um, I think you have to look at every everyone in the defensive backfield, right? Because those those 
Again, I look at what positions are not deep right now. In the defensive backfield already, a cornerback, there's an issue. So you take a guy like Ardarius Washington, who is probably on the roster bubble, though in my mind he's on the safe side of the bubble, particularly with the injuries at cornerback. He's, you know, he can play slot corner. He can play safety. He's viewed as undersized, which is why he wasn't drafted. Uh, but he's getting a lot of run, and he will get a lot of run tomorrow night, I would think. And I think watching him play in the slot is something that bears watching. Uh, another name that might be worth watching is Jeremiah Moon, outside linebacker. Another guy that's kind of on the roster bubble. But look at their look at their edge rush group. Yeah, There's just not thin. a lot there right now. Yeah. And this is a guy that has a chance to really state a case for himself. So I think those are two guys absolutely to watch. Of course, there's going to be the receiver group. I know a lot of people want to see Dante Demas from Maryland. That receiver group, as we know, is loaded right now. Rashad Bateman's come back, so the whole group is healthy. I just don't see a path to the roster for a guy like Dante Demas unless a lot of guys get hurt. But he, he not only is playing for a practice squad, spot he could be playing for 30 other teams basically because you know what if, if he does not make the ravens and he this is for all these guys if they do not make the ravens and they put good performance on tape there's another team that might come calling for them after they get waived so that's there to be had it's not as much drama for fans as much as it is for the players that's for sure but i think moon and washington are two guys could really stay the case for themselves Bo. uh Lamar Jackson, when will will he play at all in preseason? My gut is no. Uh, I I I get the sense more and more that John Harbaugh is pivoting to not playing these guys at all. I know he has shifted over the course of his career, and at times he would have them ramp up a little bit. Remember, there used to be four preseason games, right? and usually the, the starters wouldn't play at all in the first one. They might play a series in the second one. The third one, they might play as much as a half, and then the fourth one, they wouldn't play at all. And it just seems to me that over the course of the last four or five years, he has pivoted to the theory held by Sean McVay and some others that there is far less to be gained than lost by playing these guys at all. Um, and in my mind, I'd be surprised to see if we see Lamar Jackson at all. I, I understand it, and certainly yeah. the, the risk probably is uh, far more significant than the reward. Bo Smolka with us here on GCR. But a couple of items uh, from this week of news. Uh, one, I, this scenario where Patrick Ricard was back and taking some offensive line snaps, which is wild to me. Is that, hey, there's probably going to be fewer fullback snaps in a Todd Munkin offense, so let's see. You know, he's going to be here. Let's see if there are other ways that we can involve him. Or is it maybe that it's not a guarantee that there is a roster spot at this point anymore for a fullback? So in order to, like, warrant that roster spot, we need to see you do some other things. Uh, I think it was very interesting when he came out. Again, he'd been on pup the whole spring because of a hip injury or recovering from his hip injury. And he came out for that first day, and we saw him go over the offensive lineman, which was notable because that's not usually where he goes. And then, But, again, special teams groups are going on. They haven't broken into position groups. and, and so. But then once practice started and everyone broke into position groups and the fullbacks generally go with the tight ends, he stayed with the linemen, and then when the full team drills were going on, he stayed off on a side field working with an, a coach on clearly offensive line pass protection moves. So 
So it was a 100% offensive line practice for him, which was absolutely eye-opening. To answer your question, I think both are in play. I think there's no question that a fullback will be utilized less in this offense than in the Greg Roman offense. Now, does that mean Patrick Ricard might not have a job? Uh, you know, in, a, in some sense, maybe. I mean, he's, he's an expensive guy right now, but there is a – I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's more than $2 million in dead money they would eat if he were to go away this year. So that is a cost that they may not want to incur. But you look at it and say, well, if we are going to use a fullback sometimes, and maybe he can fill in as that third or fourth guard in a pinch – and by the way, maybe, maybe he could even plug in as a defensive lineman over really desperate. He hasn't played on the defensive line for three years now, I believe, not one snap. But as John Harbaugh says, the more you can do. And Ricard is trying to make himself more valuable to this team right now. And here's a chance. Now, he's, it's funny because obviously in the offensive backfield is an absolute load. On the offensive line, he's on the undersized right. side. Although he's he's only if you go by the heights and weights, he's not much smaller than Patrick McCarry, who's the, of course the Ravens' super utility lineman. So there is that, and he also maybe he becomes more of a he could possibly be more of a inline blocking tight end. And I there's there are a lot of ways they can use him, but it absolutely was notable to see him lined up on the offensive line. Bo, tell me a little bit about what your early observations are about the Todd Mungan offense. All right, so I will confess that this week, because of the storm, I was out of power for three full days, and I had to stay home and miss two practices while I dealt with a generator and all this other fun stuff. But I will say, so I didn't say, I only saw one practice this week. Okay. The Todd Mungan office is um, – to me, everything is going to operate faster. I think you're going to see the tempo be different. I think it will be – I'll be very surprised if we have as many situations where they're rushing to the line with two seconds on the clock and rushing to get a playoff. I'm not saying they will play hurry up uh, per se, but I think the rhythm and the tempo will be sped up. I think we will see them spread the field. And Todd Munkin told us this the day he was hired. He said he believes in spreading the field, not only vertically, but horizontally. He wants to get this group of receivers he has in space, get them the ball, let them run after the catch. And I think he's a guy like Zay Flowers could be tremendous at that. Um, and so I think we'll see much more in the way of spread that way. I think we'll see more in the way of receivers out of the backfield catching passes. So I think all of that will look a little different than last year. And I'll say this, we've even seen a couple completed screen passes. What a world. So that would also <laughs> be different. Uh, is that uh, is that up observation, do you think the reason they were so slow was because of Roman? Or was it some type of communication problem? Or it just wasn't a, an important part of Greg's offense to have – not a hurry up, like you said, but a, an up-tempo movement. Well, you may recall, Greg Roman said at one point last year something about, you know, that is going to cost the other team eight to ten plays a game if we take all this time off the play clock. To me, that was a fairly dubious explanation. Yeah, I think sometimes they were a little disorganized in getting the play in and getting to the line of scrimmage. I think sometimes it was by design and sometimes they were not organized. Yeah. Um, And I think Todd Munkin from the start 
has preached this rhythm and tempo being a high priority. He is Bo Smolka, Press Box Ravens beat writer with us here on GCR. Bo, uh, some other news from this week. One, Broderick Washington gets a three-year extension. Um, seems smart. Seems like the money makes sense. I guess the question is, where are they with Justin Matabike? Is is he kind of under the microscope a little bit this year? Like, is Are we at the point where maybe they, they're fearing that he's going to price himself out of Baltimore? And are they keeping any options open to use the tag at the end of the season on a guy like him or, you know, we'll talk more about him, J.K. Dobbins? So, I I mean, I think they'd love to keep Matabike too. Broderick, Washington, you know, Eric Acosta, his, his goal ideally is to retain his own, the guys that he's drafted, developed, and thinks can really continue to play here. I think they really like Broderick Washington. I know they also really like Matabike. Uh, the Washington deal is, you know, it was a good price for him, a good price for the team. It made sense, and it's one less thing they have to worry about in the future. I think they'd love to think uh, keep Matabike. I do think there's a chance he plays well and prices them out of the market. I'll say this: coming out of training camp last year, I thought Matabike was, or maybe it was two years ago. I think it was last year. I was really high on Matabike, and then there were times he kind of what didn't. He just mm-hmm. kind of. Got invisible for a little while, but he's been impressive again this summer. And John Harbaugh said at one point last week, Justin Matabike is in the backfield all the time and he isn't running around anyone. He's just running over people. Um, And so I think they're really high in Matabike. I do think they're a little worried of him pricing out of the market. But again, other than Travis Jones, pretty much all their top defensive linemen were set to become free agents after this season. So I also think they thought it, important to at least sign get get a couple guys in the fold for the future and have them set up so they do it with washington i think they'd love to do it with matt bk too but uh washington's the one that got done uh, now i brought up the name jk dobbins we still see no jk dobbins on the practice field at this point i've talked to a few folks this week the the serious xm guys pat Kerwin, jim miller their suggestion it's time to activate dobbins off a of pup and start finding him because you got to get him in and get him in game shape and ready to go i don't think the ravens want to create a problem between themselves and jk dobbins between now and then but is there a point in which they need to say hey by this date we kind of need you here we might have to consider other things if this starts to be a threat that like he might not be ready for week one uh, yeah, it's a good question, and it's a good point. I mean, they brought in Melvin Gordon. They're giving him and Gus Edwards and Dustin Hill are getting all the reps, and they're doing well. There's obviously some frustration there on both sides with this Dobbins thing. Um, John Harbaugh doesn't clear, clearly does not want to talk about it. He keeps saying it's a J.K. Dobbins issue. You could activate him off pup and say, get out here. Um, but I, I, this is what I've said all along. J.K. Dobbins wants to get paid. That's all well and good, but he's not going to get paid if he's not playing. He needs to get out there and play in order for any team to pay him in the future, whether it's here or elsewhere. So at some point, if J.K. Dobbins wants to watch out for J.K. Dobbins, he's going to have to play. Um, and so that's, it's a touchy thing. I mean, if they don't have him ready for week one, I think John Harbaugh is going to say, fine, we'll go on board with Edwards and Hill and Gordon and maybe Keaton Mitchell and we'll take our chances and J.K. Dobbins will will come when when he's ready but I mean for the big picture this team is better with Dobbins than without him I've said that all along but Dobbins is going to 
he's only going to help his future by playing. So, so you don't think that at any point they end up dipping their toes into the Dalvin Cook market if J.K. Dobbins continues to, to hold in? I still would. I, that would surprise me. Yeah, me too. Uh, last question for me, Bo. What are you seeing? Well, I, I understand you weren't there that much this week. What, what are you expecting out of Oway this year? He's looked good. I mean, I, I, you know, I know he was a disappointment last year. I don't think there's any way you can say otherwise. Two and a half sacks, I believe he had. This yeah. is your first-round pick from a couple of years ago. You're expecting him to be a huge impact guy. Now, the Ravens' defensive coaches will say all the right things. They'll say, well, Oway really, like, forced quarterbacks into Justin Houston for some of Justin Houston's sacks. Um, Owe was disruptive in ways that don't show up on the stat sheet. That all may be true. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard people say, you know, at some point we need him to get to the quarterback. Yeah. Um, I'll say he's, he's, you know, right now, again, it's, it's summer and the pads aren't on every day. And, but he and Ajabo look really good together. I know we wrote about them for the, for the magazine, for the print issue. Um, they enjoy playing together. Ajabo has looked terrific. Uh, and what I'm expecting out of OA is to be a big impact pass rusher. That's what you get a first-round draft pick for. Um, so I, he's looked, he's looked the part so far. I think another two and a half sack season out of him would have to be viewed as a major disappointment. This is a guy that they need to be disruptive. Uh, but he's looked fast. He's looked more comfortable this year. Um, I think there was obviously disappointment last year. He's, he knows he said he's got close. Sometimes he didn't get there and that was frustrating, but I think, um, as of now, I think he, he looks good and Ajabo looks good. To me, the bigger issue there is there's not a whole lot there behind them right now. And as I said, Tyus Bowser is dealing with a knee injury. He hasn't been on the field at all. The depth there is not what it needs to be. I, I know Jadavian Clowney was in this week. There was a report that they offered him. Um, and it's interesting because some of, these, some of these veteran guys like to sit around over the summer, and I don't have to play in those 12 training camp practices when it's 95 degrees. And I stay in shape, and then the offers come at the end of training camp. Um, but Clowney is a possibility. or I think they have to bolster the edge rush group of the veteran one way or the other. Um, because Jabo and Owe have looked good, but they, they can't get through there with just the two of them. That is for sure. Hey, Bo, uh, I lied to you. I said uh, that was my last question about Owe. But uh, we've got a new edition of Press Box hitting soon. Uh, you did a cover story on Lamar Jackson without giving away the, the entire story. Uh, what did you learn about Lamar in doing this story that you might have not really paid attention to or not known before? Well, I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people. The one I talked to the most or the one that was best about the perspective of it was Kurt Warner. Uh, you know, the Hall of Fame quarterback talked a lot about Kind of the pressure that comes from, you know, Kurt Warner, like Lamar Jackson, won the MVP in his second season. Yeah. And then the question was, what comes next? And what's the pressure on you after that happens? I, I know, I don't, I can't remember if I included in the story, but Kurt Warner basically said, no one wants to say, oh, you're great. You got, a, you got, you know, you got the MVP. You're obviously a really good player. The question is always, what are you going to do next? It's always, what are you going to do next? And so, I know with Lamar Jackson, obviously he won the MVP. He's considered one of the great players in the league. But I think also his detractors, and I, you know, Lamar Jackson, for whatever reason, continues to be a polarizing player. 
there are people, many, many, many people will say he's one of the top five talents in the league. Other people don't even consider him a top second-tier quarterback because he has one playoff win. Mm -hmm. And that, as I wrote in the story, that is going to hound him like an all-pro edge rusher until that number changes. And so the question is, can this new offense, this new group of receivers, this new system, all of that, can it get Lamar Jackson and the Ravens farther than they've gotten before? And obviously his health is a big, big part of it. But can all of this do that? Because really, that's what the Ravens have paid him for. They paid him, Eric DaCosta said to us, we believe he's the best quarterback in the NFL, and this contract reflects it. All right, well, if you're paying that, if you think he's the best quarterback in the NFL, you're paying him to go win the Super Bowl. And that's the pressure that's on Lamar Jackson now. And it's on the team now. And Lamar Jackson's handled pressure very well before, but all of that is in play. With, with, with all of that's been done around him now, this team has been built for him to go win. And, and that's kind of where he's at right now. That uh, new issue of Press Box with Bo's cover story will be available this coming Wednesday at your neighborhood 16th, Royal Farms yeah. and uh, all the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Still a couple of days to get this Tony Saragusa issue, but this coming Wednesday, a new print issue of Press Box with Bo's cover story. At B. Smolka on Twitter, of course, PressBoxOnline.com where you see his stuff. Bo, appreciate you. Look forward to chatting with you again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bo, I'll call you later. I want to chat with you about something and the other thing you sent me that there note about. Okay? I'll give you a buzz later. All right. All right Talk boy. to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Bo Smolka with us. Stan, I think, by the way, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan, uh, the Dobbins situation does start getting fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, I think that everybody's kind of been in agreement while you'd like to have him out there. It's not the end of the world that J.K. Dobbins isn't out there for the start of training camp. It's sort of the wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing that's unspoken here. John Harbaugh can't say, well, really, like, we're kind of glad he's not getting hurt at the moment. Like, we'll be all right. But there's a date by which you need him to be out there just to make sure that he is fully ready to go for week one and a real workload and what that date is i tried asking around a little bit i i've gotten the sense that from some people it's next week mm-hmm. other people would tell you it's, it's definitively week, the yeah, week after yeah, that week, yeah. but like by the week after that yeah like the last the week of the last preseason game you'd really at that point want to say we need to know that you're going to be here mm-hmm. and if he's not like if this is going to go into the levy on bell territory if he's trying to push this thing even further, if his issues with the Ravens dating back to the surgery thing from last year are so significant that it really what what's unspoken is he said, I don't intend to play for you anymore. I either want you to trade me or release me or whatever. I'm done here. Mm-hmm. Like, they got to get on to it. Like, yeah. they've got to get to a point where they get an answer because if it's not J.K. Dobbins, and I know what Bo said was, well, they'll just run out Gus Edwards – Melvin Gordon, Justice. Well, we've seen that. Right. The Ravens have not been as good when they haven't had J.K. Dobbins. And if there's any risk, like I, as much as I would be surprised by the Ravens being in the market for Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. if there's a bigger problem with J.K. Dobbins, at some point they could use someone special at the running back position. 
I don't know how much that costs them, and so it might not be practical anyway. But I don't know that something has got to give at some point. Is this a is this a scenario though that's playing out from from the little bit of football that I've been observing from mm-hmm. afar? It seems like this running back situation. Oh, it's, yes. it's all over the place. It's, yes, it's far the bigger than are not. It's a it's an industry problem. Yes, yeah. it's far bigger than the Ravens. It's far bigger than J.K. Dobbins, and it's sort of why there's no obvious or logical answer to any of this, yeah. right? Like J.K. Dobbins could say, "I want money from you." But he's got to be able to read the tea leaves and see that around the NFL, no one's getting money. Correct. And if the top guys in the market aren't getting money, then you know he's in the next group of guys. So how many guys would you say in the league are doing what Dobbins is doing? Is he the only well, one Well, Jonathan that is... Taylor's not practicing right. at right. all, right? Like He's, he's still not... the property of the Colts. He's correct? still there. Now, he's said that he's demanded a trade. Right. You know, Jim Irsay said, you know, we're not doing that come hell or high water. It's mm-hmm. not happening. Forget about it. So who knows? At, for a little while, Saquon Barkley was doing it, but then they agreed to a one-year one year deal where they in order to, to square that away. So it's not as prevalent, but yeah. it's more that all the running backs are looking and saying, yeah, if you're not going to pay us, why should we right, work are, that are, hard? Are we I suckers mean, for going out here yeah. and doing this when you're just – it? Jonathan Taylor's point that he made on Twitter was, you're openly telling us it doesn't matter what we do. Right. It doesn't matter if we go out and have an explosive season. And truth is, we've talked about this with J.K. Dobbins. The Ravens, when they gave Lamar Jackson the contract, might have just said – as we budget our money moving forward, yeah, we don't have that much. There's in not the going to be money back. at running back. Yeah, we're we're not going to spend money at running back. Right. So if that's the case, then the point the Bo made, well, in order to make money, you got to be on the field. Jacob Dobbins is saying, well, you're telling me if I'm on the field, I'm not going to make money anyway. Yeah. So w- what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, it, it can't get better by not playing. Like right. you you can't improve the situation, but. I don't know what the end game is for anybody. I really don't know if you're J.K. Dobbins how you handle this because I can certainly understand the frustration from running backs of if you're just come hell or high water not going to pay us. Right. Then why should we put out anything during the preseason? There's no chance that we're showing up for that. Zero chance that we're participating in the preseason. And as both Jim Miller and Pat Kerwin said to me this week, like, well, activate him from Pup. You know, to make it hurt his pockets. Threaten to fine him. Try to force the issue that way. And that sounds good, and it sounds sort of like a tough guy thing, but do you want to exacerbate this problem? Do you want to make this problem worse going into the season by trying to force the issue, or are you just hoping that J.K. Dobbins will feel like he's made his point by not showing up for the first four weeks of training camp? Then once you get within a few weeks of the season, he'll say, no, but I want to play because I want to go earn my money. Mm -hmm. And... You know, everybody can be as kind of copacetic as possible given the circumstances. Don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't think they'll choose to do that. I don't yeah. think they'll choose to, to activate him before he says he's ready to, to start yeah. participating because yeah. I don't think they want that issue. You will probably not bother to poke at the preseason game tomorrow night, or no, I definitely you will? because uh, now oh, because the, it's not the Orioles, the, same time. That's right. the, the Orioles, Orioles were playing, were playing at seven That's o'clock. Right. I would tape it yeah. and watch bits and pieces of it. I'll probably uh, have a buddy over, maybe, and okay. watch watch All the right. game. All right, you know. very good. Stan the fan is here. We're going to preview Orioles Mariners coming up in a bit. Rick Riz, uh, Mariners radio play-by-play voice, will join us at the top of the 11 a.m. hour as we continue along on a Friday edition of GCR. 
hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two ends in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glenn clark 23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER i'm michael jan grandy president of aj michaels your carrier energy expert for 44 years save money energy and make your home more comfortable and virus free find us at ajmichaels.com that's ajmichaels.com Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out pressboxonline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Stan, a new uh, top 100 prospects list from MLB.com. Their midseason list now interjecting uh, draft players from this year and updates. Six Orioles in the top 100. Uh, you want to take a guess at who they are and where they might be? Kobe Mayo. Kobe Mayo is certainly on the list. Top 15. Kobe Mayo, not quite top 15. No, Kobe top 25? 28, 28 for Kobe Mayo. Okay. Yep. 
I'll give him a couple more weeks. Yeah, and all of a sudden, yeah, right? Heston Kerstad. Heston Kerstad, He's absolutely. probably top 10, right? Not top 10. Top He's 15? 25. 25. 25 for Heston Kerstad. Wow. Our prospect right. list is going back. There is, There are, of course, two still in the top 15. Two in the top 15. Jackson Holiday. Jackson Holiday is obviously yeah. number one yeah. overall. And then the other one's kind of a trick. Kind of a trick. Yeah, because he's a major leaguer, but he still counts. Uh, Colton Kalzer. Colton Kalzer is number 14 okay. on the list. Two is other... Kate Povich in, in Kate the top Kate Povich 100? is not in the top 100. Okay. There are two other Orioles, number 50 and number 55. One who has been to the big leagues, but is back down. Joey Ortiz. Joey Ortiz, 55 on the list. And number okay. 50, who's not particularly close to the big leagues. Is Connor Norby? Nope. Hmm. Did they move Basayo up there? Top 50, Sam- Samuel, Samuel Basayo really? is now, according to MLB.com, wow. the number 50 prospect. Where's Norby? In all he's, of baseball. He's Norby not in the top is not in the top 100. Wow. Uh, the team updates, so the top 30 prospects for the Orioles. Of course, Holiday, Kowser, Kerstad, Mayo, Basayo, Ortiz, as you'd expect. Norby is seventh. Then Enrique Bradfield, the Orioles' oh, first-round pick out of Vanderbilt, it. comes up to number eight in the Orioles' team. Where's listings. Povich in there? Povich is 12th. 12th. Uh, so Dylan Beaver's ninth. They still <laughs> D.L. Hall, who is still alive, number 10. Thank goodness. <laughs> I, you know, I had this conversation last night. D.L. Hall is the obvious answer, the guy that like maybe could help you like if you're still looking for somebody who could help. In, yeah. Talk about a lefty as well. Right. You know? like, yeah. That's an obvious answer. Is there one of these guys either that's returning or that is going to be up against an innings limit that you would be inclined to at this point say, we'd really like you to focus on putting some work in for a couple weeks in the minors, specifically as a leverage reliever, mm-hmm. to see if you couldn't help us in that department well, in I September? Well, the most October. obvious would be Tyler Wells. You know, how's gonna he going to come back? He's going to start now? again tomorrow. Okay. For Bowie, um, of course. But John I wonder means, if they're. I wonder if their star- goal with with Wells though is to more pitch him as a glorified opener of like saying we're going to give you three three innings or four innings, which max. you know could be again a way around these inning situations yeah. that you're dealing with. But I just feel like with so few guys that you fully trust right now. Yeah. I, I get the argument for Wells is that you'd have to be on board with them and under, understand this is not us telling you you're a reliever. What we're saying is, given the uniqueness of the circumstances that we're dealing with, what we most badly need right now is one more leverage arm that we can trust in big spots. And instead of starting your next game at Bowie, we'd like to see you only come in in a situation where there are runners on base right. and try to get used to those types of spots moving forward. I think Wells would make a lot of sense. From a talent... Yeah, just to be perfectly literal about it though he has had experience in high leverage situations that's true that first right. year you know so um a little bit different obviously than you know, he's got to work on getting warmed up mm-hmm. you know sort of uh, getting into a routine of how he warms up dl hall of course is the other one you know i mean well dl hall it's, it's, yeah. there's no argument for the lat for the alternative right there's no uh, argument he's no whatsoever. longer uh loading though. i don't think so or de- <laughs> was it deloading he was deloading he's back in an affiliate so he's, now. he's now loading reloading, i guess he's I guess. reloading he's i don't loaded man. but he's not loading up because he's not going back be to starter. being a star it's yeah God, what a bizarre year uh yeah dl hall number 10 then mcdermott 11 povich 12 mac horvath um, oh. who was an early-round draft pick this year, does, is 13. Does Judd Fabian and Max Wagner round out the top 15. Does it mention uh, uh, Seth Johnson? 16th. 
16th. And what 16th. about uh, Carter Baumler? Carter Baumler is now 23rd okay. on Had their list a lot of, of Orioles issues. prospects. Yeah. Yes, correct. So that is the new update from MLB.com of Orioles prospects. John Means, of course, made his first he, he rehab last night, appearance right? last night. Went two innings, allowed one hit, no walks. Um, t- fastball, according to Matt Sabatis, the, uh, the Bay Sox play-by-play voice, was at about 91 as he returns both from the Tommy John and from the back issue that he dealt with earlier this year. Um, struck out two. They went two innings with him. They're going to need – he's going to need mention a lot more ramp you mention up. a pitch count? I mean, 28, yeah, I guess I 28 pitches yeah, no, in two innings? Pitch. That's good. That's yeah. So, again, if the goal is let's just get him here and put him in the bullpen, then – You're pretty happy with that. <laughs> right. You'd yeah. say maybe he only needs – a handful of appearances before you'd be willing to do that. If yeah. the goal is to have him make starts, then you would think that the better he would need probably four or five more before you would be in that yeah. in that place. Which makes John perfect made. sense to me this year to you know try and get him up to where he could help you for two to two to four innings. I mean, looking at him as a a quote unquote starter whether he starts the game or not, the notion you're going to start to get six innings or five and two, three, I don't think it's happened. I under year. I understand. I've said a couple of times, what I worry is that ultimately with everyone else approaching their innings limits, and right. you know, first it's Tyler Wells that's hitting the wall. Now you have to at least start to wonder if Kyle Bradish is hitting the wall. Mm-hmm. You're trying to deal do a six-man rotation in order to see if you can limit this. I just worry that if more of these guys end up hitting a wall – that ultimately you just might not be able to make a run unless John Means were able to come back and be one, – well, one of two things. Either you need to get more of the J- the good Jack Flaherty. Either mm-hmm. you need to get much more of that guy, mm-hmm. or John Means has got to be able to be a starter for you by the time you get to the playoffs because I just – or some of these guys have to avoid the wall somehow, like not, not come up against it. But Kyle Bradish had been your best pitcher all season, and – Last three starts, you've started to wonder if this is just the nature of reaching your career high in innings and what was always going to happen. And I'm I'm good with them trying the six-man rotation first. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that being their first solution, but the bullpen's already a little thin. Like, and you're losing Danny Colomb at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. it's an awful lot to ask of a bullpen to get you through this situation in order to allow for you to have a six-man rotation and you need all these guys to give you good starts. And, like, there's a lot here. There's a lot to, there's a lot to unfold or unpack. Uh, but uh, you would hope that if they go to a six-man rotation, that more routinely these guys could get you at least into the seventh inning. You know, they've got a, far too many five-inning starts. I agree. That's you know? When I said that about, again, credit to Flaherty for battling the other night. Yeah. But the roadmap to the Orioles getting through this thing to make a run has to be good Flaherty. Has to be at least six into the seventh inning. At worst, battling. At best, more than battling. Yeah. Giving you something really quality. There was reason to wonder. I mean, his two games, he's he's faced two really good offensive teams. No question teams about that. The Blue Jays and the Astros. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him. When would he be scheduled to uh, pitch? He would be lined up for, for the, Monday, correct? Or I think they're off Monday. Monday, oh, the Monday yeah. I think no, they no, no, play they, t- they're San off. San Diego? 
they they do play San Diego, but I think it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week, and they're off they're, they Thursday. Have three again. games, okay. I believe that. Uh, yes, I they're will, off Thursday. Yeah, they're off Thursday. Okay. So, but so, with the six man rotation, I might be wrong about that now because Irvin's, Irvin's pitch Irvin's is Saturday, Saturday, right? Radish is scheduled for Sunday. Right. So Grayson Monday. Monday. Grayson Monday. So then it would be Flaherty. Then Flaherty, Flaherty on Tuesday. Right. Yes. Okay. So yes, with the six man rotation, they bump him back a day to two. Ryan Flaherty, who thought? Right, who would have ever thought that yeah. uh, Ryan, or maybe it's just his uncle. Maybe that's 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 who it, or his nephew, I think. Yes. Jack Flaherty, fourth cousins. All right, uh, we're gonna head out to Seattle in one minute. Stan, you uh, got together last night with Gary Stein and with a couple of former sports executives. Yeah, we talked to uh, Andy Dolich, who, by the way, has also co-authored a book with. Uh, is it Dave Newhouse uh, called Goodbye Oakland, right. which is getting uh, rave reviews and a uh, it's going it to be published. It's going to be it's going to be a paperback now cool. too when it comes out again in twenty four. Um, and we had also Marty Conway, who's a good longtime friend who uh, worked for the Orioles, Texas Rangers in marketing and promotions, and uh, had a long, long stint at AOL. Uh, and now teaches at Georgetown University and does a lot of consulting. If you missed the show, you can go to facebook.com slash pressboxsports, click on the videos tab. You can go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video, and you got a different schedule next week? Uh, yeah, but uh, this is the first show in the history of these Zooms, which we started, that, that I ended up getting booted off the Zoom. Oh, way to go, Stan. Yeah, we lost our internet. What the for heck? About, for about a... Two minutes. Ah, I had. You know, it's funny. I said that when I was doing the show last night. There were a lot of cell phone problems. People that were calling in, uh, were getting in, getting to making a nice point, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what was going on around these parts last night. But there were a lot of cell phone issues. So next week you're doing a Monday show, but a little bit of a different Monday show. Yeah, Monday uh, it'll be at seven o'clock, and John Shelby will join us, former Oriole uh, who played in the '83. uh, World Series championship team. And then you will not be next Thursday. You'll be next Wednesday, Wednesday instead. John Kelly from Kelly Benefits, who's the uh, chairman of the Maryland Cycling Classic. So next week, Monday, is it same time, 4 o'clock? Nope, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock on Monday. And then Wednesday, same time? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Yeah. Very good. That's uh, where you'll find Stan's shows next week. All right. Uh, oh, oh, are you calling him again? That's the okay. Sorry, Griffin told me we needed one minute. I didn't know if that meant that like one minute, and then I could go to him. That's sorry, my apologies. So Rick did. Riz, the uh, yes. play-by-play voice, a long-time play-by-play voice of the Mariners. As you as you pointed out, all of a sudden the Mariners red hot. Yeah. Uh, fifteen of nineteen. Fifth, won 15, 15 of their four. last 19 games. Yeah, um, they are suddenly right back into the playoff picture. I believe I uh, Griffin told me it was a game and a half out. In the AL wildcard standings, so they are right back in the mix as the They're Orioles. Right there with the Blue Jays. Correct. Just obviously, we have not been paying attention to the wildcard standings. The good news, on top of the Orioles winning yesterday, is that the Cardinals beat the Rays last night and extended the Orioles' lead in the division to three games. Mariners a game and a half behind the Blue Jays uh, for the third wildcard spot. Boston four games back, the Yankees five games back of that spot. That had to be a good feeling finally for the St. Louis Cardinals. Matthew Liberatore, who was mm. traded for Randy Rosarina mm-hmm. back in 2020, uh, beat, beat I, yeah, his Yeah, I don't know that right. that suddenly makes you feel that much differently about the trade in general, but yes, yeah. there is that. 
All right, Orioles Mariners get underway tonight. Joining us now, longtime play, radio play-by-play voice for the Seattle Mariners. He is the great Rick Riz, and he's with us here on GCR. Rick, it's Glenn and Stan in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking a minute for us up early this morning out in Seattle. Oh, anytime, Glenn and Stan. This is going to be a great series. Uh, the two teams with the best record in baseball since what July the first, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun, a lot to play for. Well, I, the easy question is what's gotten into the Mariners, and it is is it as simple as hey, if they had hit like this at the beginning of the year, they they might not be in this situation. Exactly. If they hit like this at the beginning of the year, they'd be in first place in the American League West, above the Texas Rangers, above the Astros. But it's it's been the constant of starting pitching. It starts there. Uh, the starting staff is one of the best, if not in my mind, the best in baseball. And it's young. You know, you got Luis Castillo at the top of the rotation, who's 30, one of the best pitchers in the league. But then you have Logan Gilbert with 10 wins on the year and George Kirby with 10 wins. Gilbert's 25 and Kirby's 24. And then you have Bryce Miller, who's 24. Brian Wu, just one on the IL, is only 23. Now you just call up Emerson Hancock, who's 24. He just made his major league debut on Wednesday and went five innings against the uh, San Diego Padres. So it starts there. Starting pitching is great. The bullpen has been strong, even though it's evolved with different faces along the way the last three years. It's still one of the best in the American League, even though they traded away Paul Sewell. But the difference, uh, guys, has been the offense. Uh, They're starting to score some runs right now. J.P. Crawford is... Probably the, uh, no, not probably, is the MVP of this ball club. You know, the catalyst at the top of the order. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is Julio Rodriguez now. He's the all-star that he was last year. Eugenio Suarez is hitting home runs and driving in runs. Cal Raleigh seems to hit a big home run at the big moment and down through the order. Uh, So it's been a lot of fun watching this team play because now they have a team that's hitting on all cylinders. Offense, the defense is great, too. J.P. Crawford at shortstop is a wizard, and Julio out there in center field. So it's a, really a fun team to watch. Hey, Rick, first of all, long time since I've talked to you. Uh, how, how many years have you been in Seattle now? Is it over 20? Yeah, it's my 38th year. 38, 38 years? years? Yeah, wow. 41 years in the big leagues in between. I was here for nine years, and then I went to Detroit sure. to try to replace a legend there. I was there in Detroit for three years, so that did work out. Dave Niehaus got me here in 1983 as a young broadcaster. Wow. Then I went to Detroit in 92 for three years, 92, three, and four. And the Tigers let me go. They wanted Ernie back, and rightly so. They should have never let him go. Right. Big story. And then Dave got me back here, and thank God I didn't miss the 1995 season because that was the year that uh, the Mariners saved baseball here in the Northwest. That was a great year for Baltimore with Cal Ripken during the streak. We were there right before the streak when he broke uh, Lou Gehrig's record. But that was the year that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and Jay Buhner and Dan Wilson and Randy Johnson, I go right mm-hmm. down the order, Mike Blowers, Tina yep. Martinez, uh, they say baseball here in the Northwest. If they didn't do what they did and how they did it yeah. in 1995, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. Hey, my question about this current team is you mentioned all those starting pitchers, and there was not a mention of because because you were talking young starting pitching, right. Luis Castillo. I happen to have him on my fantasy team, and he's been <laughs> he was great the first two months of the season. What do you think's going on with him? He's just been so so, but he's still the titular head of that staff, isn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, he's still he's still the ace of this staff. There's no doubt about it. They just didn't score any runs for him in the first half of the season. 
you know, if you really take a look at the numbers, yeah, he's seven and seven on the year, but take a look at his walks. He doesn't walk anybody. Take a look at his strikeouts, his walk to strikeout ratio, his walks to innings pitched. And he's just, he's an ace. He battles and get, keeps you in every game, every five starts. And that, to me, that's the definition of an ace. You know, he got off to a great start and then he hit a, kind of a bump in the road for about four or five outings in the early part of the year. But I take his last, uh, you know, uh, start as an example against the Angels. He went six innings. He gave up seven runs, 10 hits, but he hung in there for six innings because, you know, the bullpen was spent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scott has done a great job managing his baseball team. I think he should be the American League manager of the year. I thought he should have won the award last year. But he needed Luis to go six innings, and he did. He battled, and the Mariners came back with seven runs late in the ballgame to win it. But they don't win it unless Luis – hangs in there and goes six innings. You know, that was the key for that start. And that's what he does. You know, he's got the great change up to go with the fastball and outstanding slider. He's got the hair, the mane of hair. It looks like I, I call him like secretary. He's got the most glorious braids of hair. I think <laughs> major league baseball. And uh, he just, he's just a leader on this team in the clubhouse, in the dugout. He takes care of those young players. And when he's on the mound, he gives you a chance to win every five days, and I love this guy. Hey, the GM, Jerry DePoto, who I've always admired from afar, he's not hes not one that's risk-adverse. He trades a really <laughs> top-notch closer in Paul Seawald. But tell us a little bit about the return, because you got two players that seem to be useful this year in Rojas and uh, Canzone, and then he, he got a 5-6 shortstop named Ryan Bliss, who sounds like a – a really top prospect out of Arizona. Yeah, he, he, right now he's my favorite player. He's not here yet. I'm five seven. He's five six. You know, <laughs> what kind of guy. Uh, many years ago, uh, the White Sox had Harry Chapman. Remember him? He was five yep. four. Yeah. But uh, the kid can play. The, I think he's one of the reasons why the Mariners made that trade. I think you're going to see him here eventually. You know, in the big leagues. But Jerry Depoto knows what he's doing. He, he's done a great job building this team. And they look at all different aspects of what they need, you know, to win down the stretch, what they need to win when they get to the playoffs. And it was a heavy right-handed hitting lineup. Paul Seawall did a fantastic job when he was here. He's one of the nicest guys we've ever had in uniform. And he also did a great job as the closer on this baseball team. But they got in return two young players in Rojas and Canzone that are left-handed batters. And they've already come through to help us out uh, a couple of wins, you know, down this stretch. We'll see Bliss, like I said, maybe sometime here in the near future. So they they know what they need. Now they got uh, some left-handed options on the bench, and that's what you need, especially when you're facing uh, the Baltimore Orioles with those two mountain men coming out of the bullpen, Cano and Bautista. So, uh, you know, he's Jerry's done a great job. And nobody, no team in baseball has done a better job of drafting young starting pitching than the Mariners have over the last five years. They got Logan Gilbert in 2018 in the first round out of Stetson. And he's one of the best pitchers in this league. Next year in 2019, first round, they get George Kirby out of little Elon University. I never heard of Elon University. And he's one of the best pitchers of this league right now. The, in 2021, in the fourth round, they get Bryce Miller. He was doing historic things in his first three and his first five starts you know, in the big leagues, he's been outstanding. And then they get Brian Wu in the 2021 draft in the sixth round, coming off Tommy John surgery out of Cal Poly State, but they saw something in this kid, 
they get Emerson Hancock in the first round in 2020 out of the University of Georgia. So right now the Mariners are one of the few teams in baseball that have had their three first-round picks in consecutive years, 2018, 19, and 20, that are in the big leagues right now in Gilbert and Kirby and now Emerson Hancock who made his debut on Wednesday. So, But to answer, go back to answer your question, they needed some left-handed bats, and they got good young left-handed bats in Canzone and also Rojas to help us out this year and in the future. Jerry's always looking to how do we make the ball club better down the stretch and the postseason and also in the upcoming years. And I think he'd done that, even though they traded away a great guy and a great pitcher like Paul Seawall. Mariners play-by-play voice Rick Riz with us here on GCR. Orioles open up a series in Seattle tonight. Cal Gibson, Luis Castillo in the opener. Rick, you know, I think everybody's kind of looked at the Astros, the Rangers, put the Orioles in that conversation. The Rays, although especially with McClanahan's sideline, you start to wonder if they have enough. Yeah. But I think they've looked. we've looked at those teams as those are the teams to beat in the American League. If the Mariners continue to hit like this, is this maybe not just a scenario where they could get in, but they could become extraordinarily dangerous once they get in? Obviously, the way that they're playing right now, it seems yeah. like if this can continue, they're going to be a real threat to the best teams in the American League. You know, this was the same situation as last year. There were teams looking at us, hoping that they didn't get to that the Mariners didn't get to the playoffs because of the starting pitching that we have and the bullpen uh, that they have. And I think it's the same scenario. They don't want to play us. I mean. Uh, they made it to the playoffs on uh, September 30th of last year when when uh, Cal Raleigh hit uh, a home run off of Domingo Acevedo to get our magic number down to zero to get us in the playoffs, guys, for the first time in right. 21 years. Yeah. So teams didn't want to play them. And then we go to uh, Toronto. Now there's the wild card series that just started last year because he had that extra team. And they won two games there. They won two out of three. They swept them. Uh, Luis Castillo won the first game for to nothing. That's what the ace does. They were down eight to one. And then they came back and, uh, won that second game by a score of 10 to nine and swept, uh, swept the blue Jays. So, yeah, because when you have great starting pitching teams, don't want to play you in the playoffs because that's what, <laughs> that's what wins in the playoffs to have these guys coming at you in a short series like that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, the Mariners are only game and a half out of the wild card. Toronto lost again yesterday, so they're only a game and a half out there and five and a half out in the division. You know, they've made up so much ground. Uh, they've got the best record in baseball, like I said, with the Orioles. They've won seven in a row, nine of their last ten. And it's all about consistency. They've won six consecutive series. That includes a two-game sweep recently over the Padres. So, uh, yeah, teams are looking at the Mariners like, we don't want to play that ball club when they get to the playoffs. And, and I believe in my mind, guys, they're going to get to the playoffs again. Could have used a break this weekend, by the way, Rick. Really could have used if you guys maybe had. I mean, the Orioles have faced this really ridiculous schedule in the second half of the season. Could have yeah. really used a little bit of a break. Uh, well, you guys got to be tired. You played in Baltimore yesterday and beat Houston. You got the long flight, and uh, you got to play tonight. So hopefully they're a little tired. <laughs> hey, Rick, I got a little question, a little throw you a tiny curveball. You've gotten to okay. watch Shohei Otani over the past few years. Uh, you, you've played them a lot more than we have uh, up until this year. Everybody plays sort of an equal schedule. but And you know what the Mariner organization is like. Do you expect them to be involved in talking Shohei Otani? 
That's a great question. Uh, it's way above my pay grade, <laughs> but uh, I guess the obvious answer is there's every team, 30 teams in baseball would love to have, have Shohei Otani. Uh, what he's doing is nothing short of remarkable. Nobody has ever done what he's done. I know Babe Ruth did it, but he was a pitcher you know, for the Boston Red Sox, but he didn't come back and DH the next day. Yep. Uh, you know, like uh, like Shoyatani does day in day out. He, there was a doubleheader in Detroit recently. He pitches a a shutout, a one hit shutout, yeah. and then I thought, oh, maybe the next game they're going to give him a day off. No, uh, he's in the next game. Forty minutes later, he hits two home runs. I was talking to Mark Langston, and I said, what is it with this guy? Doesn't he need a break? Don't they <laughs> want to take it out of his hands and give him a breather? He said, no, he wants to play every game. He wants to play every game, and part of it, he says, he saw what Cal Ripken did. You know, during the streak, he doesn't want to take any time off. But uh, to answer your question, we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be a huge, you know, price tag. But to add Shohei Itani, you're adding one of the best pitchers in the league. You're adding one of the best hitters in the league. So if you want to write the big check, man alive, you know, he's, he's going to make every ball club in baseball a whole lot better, whoever he lands with, because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, you know, I know the Angels tried to surround himself with some guys, a bunch of guys, yeah. and it's not happening. You know, I think uh, at the time they made the announcement he wasn't going to be traded after we swept the four-game series. They were like four and eight. So you know he's going to look at free agency to see how much money he's going to get. And he gets to pick and choose where he wants. And Mark told me he loves it in Anaheim, lives on the beach. and he's, You know, they've done everything possible to uh, take care of him with a six-man rotation you know, because he does DH, you know, every day. So would a club be willing to pay the money? Would a club be willing to go to a six-man rotation to accommodate Shohei Otani to make sure that he makes, you know, his 28 starts on the year? So it'll be interesting to see. So I guess I didn't answer your question, but everybody would love to have him. (laughs) Rick Riz, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Enjoy this series this weekend. Thanks for doing this. Hey, I love it. I love coming to Baltimore. I love staying there by the Inner Harbor. And you guys got that Blue Point Crab. I just love that and uh, love everything about the ballpark. Thank goodness for Camden Yards. That ballpark started the uh, movement in the right direction of yeah. a retro ballpark, and that's what we have here in Seattle now and T-Mobile Park. So thank you guys for that. And it's going to be a great series starting down Felix Hernandez weekend. Felix is going to go in the Mariners huh. Hall of Fame. Oh, How about great. that? Great. How about and that? One of the Great pitchers in our, in our history. So uh, we're going to have some great crowds uh, for the Orioles in this three-game series, guys. Great to talk with you. Enjoy it, Rick. Thanks so much. Rick I Riz, will. Take care, guys. Mariners play-by-play voice. So there two- I had forgotten that he, he worked in Seattle first. Then went to Detroit. And then to and replace then Ernie Harwell. Yep, what a yep, – yep. what a, <laughs> yes. that was a bad – that's a bad spot. Two things that jumped out at me there, of course – we had kind of forgotten about it because there had been other things to talk about. There was that sort of faux Felix Batista, King Felix controversy around the All-Star game. I would like to hope that Mariners fans don't get after Felix Batista. Oh, understand? God, now I'm thinking about that. Like, yeah. he had nothing yeah. to do with that. Right, right. Like, he was nothing yeah, but We def- call him the mountain. Correct. Yeah, like that we was, didn't call him It King was Felix. one silly tweet from the Orioles that meant nothing. Yeah. And then this... This dope that hosts a radio show out in Seattle tried to run with it. What do you think they I call hope, you? Yeah. I, they can call me whatever they want. I mean, this guy's a dope. Like, I don't know what else there is to say. I I hope that Mariners fans, 
look, you can do whatever you want to do. You buy a ticket, you can boo, cheer, whatever you want to do. But I would hope that they don't hold it personally against Felix Batista that the Orioles sent out a tweet that said King Felix. I would hope that they understand that Felix Batista, again, even when this dope approached him, despite the awkwardness of the circumstances, was like, yeah, I would kind of rather not. Like, yeah. I, I, I have reverence for Felix Hernandez, so I would hope that's the case. The other thought, are you making a parallel? When you bring up Otani, is it, hey, the greatest Japanese you know, MLB player ever played until, until now, mm-hmm. played here in Seattle, they would be an obvious parallel for... Well, I think the, the fact that there's such a large Asian-American mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. In, in and around the Pacific Which is part Northwest. of why H.R.O. Yeah. You know, loves Seattle yeah. and yeah. enjoyed being there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that the teams that will really be in on him are both New York teams, sure. despite the fact Steve Cohn said we're retooling right. or whatever, is I'm assuming the Mets and the Yankees... The Angels, of course, and then I'm assuming the Dodgers and the Giants and San Diego and Seattle. You're going to have a very vibrant market for Shohei Otani. Is there any other team in baseball that we don't – like, is there another team that could be the Padres of a few years ago? Is there another the team – surprise team? Yeah, that's, that's prime to – like, could the Cardinals say, this was miserable this year, <sighs> let's spend our way out of it? It's possible they've got the they certainly have the support you know for mm-hmm. it yeah I would think they would is it possible that Jed Hoyer in Chicago is GM of the Cubs no, it's time now. could convince yeah. the Ricketts family that hey I know it's a big ask right but this guy handles both sides of the ball mm-hmm. you know I don't know I don't yeah. know. All right, when we come back in, Stan, uh, the other story that was floating around yesterday was some more news about um, what the Orioles are looking for uh, in in this negotiation with the state. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. And, you know, just I'm not I think there's a lot of negativity towards it. I don't know that I am I'm quite in where you guys are with your responses to this story that came out last night about what the Orioles are looking for, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, okay. I haven't read anything about it. Okay, yeah. all right. I'll make sure that uh, you see it before we have that conversation then. We'll do that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back, and now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23, all one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports and that promo code Glenn Clark 23. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Bates Overfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pre-game Meet the Team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at BaySox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. That first sip. That first bite. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Hey, Griffin, you want to tell everybody what's coming up at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland? Yeah. Mm. yeah, I do, I do. I would love to tell you about the new menu that they have at David's okay. uh, over at the Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. You can check out David's new menu. It features barbecue ribs, strawberry cheesecake waffles, blue bay mussels, and of course, snow crab legs by the pound. Your perfect gin and tonic is just a shake away as you craft your perfect combo and be sure to stay for the live music every Thursday through Sunday. That's every weekend at the Dave at the David's uh, at Maryland Life Casino and Hotel. At Ronald Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. So last night, a couple different places, The Sun, The Banner, report that um, we've got a little bit more information on the the holdup and why it is that maybe the lease has not yet been signed between the Baltimore Orioles and the state of Maryland and the word is that he is that John Angelos is looking for uh, of course the state already approved 600 million dollars in public money for both the Orioles and the Ravens 600 per per once yes, they correct. sign the exactly lease exactly right. right um he's looking for 300 million more than that uh, also adds in that they're looking to develop what is currently public land and the parking lots that are shared between the Orioles and the Ravens as we've talked about this idea of a ballpark village that apparently they're tossing around the word Camden Crossing as the name for this ballpark village. And I think one of the things that a lot of us have asked is like, I think a lot of us have said, hey, that actually sounds like a good idea, but where exactly? Because there's kind of a space problem there unless you're going to move businesses out of their current spaces. There's not an obvious location. The parking lots are now being looked at as the location, which would present a problem because there's only so many parking lots. And apparently 
part of the the lease that was signed with the Ravens guarantees 4,000 open-air parking spaces for the purpose of tailgating. Mm-hmm. That the lease cannot be amended to change that into garages right. because you wouldn't have the tailgating right. factor. So It's hard to light the fires for the becomes very difficult, yeah. yes. becomes a very difficult thing to do. Because that would be the obvious answer. Well, like, why don't you just convert, you know, let's take the parking lots that you have, turn them into giant parking garages, then you can get a lot more parking spots out of it. Well, right. the Ravens would be, the Orioles might say, Yeah, yeah that'd be fine for us. Good by us. Nobody tailgates right. for an Orioles. The game. Ravens want to protect the traditions of tailgating, and that's a big part of their crowd, and so they want to make sure that those lots are there specifically for tailgating. A lot of vitriol in response to this. Obviously, it comes on the heels of everything that happened earlier in the week with the Kevin Brown suspension. A lot of negativity towards it. My initial response was almost a half of a chuckle. Like, everybody asks for more. Like, what? what I, one I, negotiation doesn't. Right? Like, I'm, I'm not really sure why it is that we're... And I'm not trying to tell you that that means that they should give it to the Orioles or anything like that. But if what we're offended by is an owner asking for more... That's what every owner in all of How sports does. How do you think does. they got $600 million Correct. to begin with? Right? That's the way this works. So I'm not going to be offended by them asking for more. If the point is, well, the state better not give them any more, okay. I, the, I get there's got to be a cutoff at some point. Yeah, the, the interesting thing for me is I thought the holdup was that this was a much bigger, larger view of changing some of that that territory from the hippodrome down Mm -hmm. i initially thought it was what's being talked about now Mm -hmm. but i thought that the holdup that the orioles wanted to be a part of some larger vision that was going to be a three or four billion dollar public private partnership to to develop Mm -hmm. the avenue from the hippodrome down to the ballpark you know that's what I thought we were talking about. Now this is I, this so, is this is just not going to fly. It's not going to. Ha- yeah. There's just no. And that's yeah. that point is made in every story that was written yeah. about it. Every source has made it very clear. This yeah. is not going to happen. He's yeah. he's not going to be given this. The Orioles will not be given this land in order to develop. It, it's not. That's not going to be the case. So right. is is there an area in between those things? Is there? I, I have said all along. I. I, I get it. Right now, all we're doing is saying if it's John Angelos's idea, we hate it. I understand that's where we've gotten to because of it's been a rough week in Baltimore. But I have said all along that I'm in favor of the idea of greater development because it stands to benefit the entire area. It stands to benefit everyone if there are more events, if there is more life downtown. That means more reason for there to be brighter lights on, for people to be walking around the downtown area. It stands to benefit everyone if you move in this area. The, the comparison that's made, everybody knows that Westmore and John Angelos went down to Atlanta and toured the Battery. As has been made in every point, the Braves moved well outside the city proper in order to find a place where they could get the land in order to Develop build that. this entire area. Yeah. Yeah. That's not there in downtown Baltimore. That space simply isn't there. So I like the idea of a ballpark village, of a Camden Crossing. I think it's good to have more people downtown, to have more life downtown. I think that is a very good thing. Combine that with the new arena, combine it with Top Golf and the casino and you know more of the entertainment district that's being built there. It all 
sounds good to me, but there's a space problem. There's a sheer issue of where does it go, and this doesn't really fly. This idea doesn't work. So what happens next becomes the question. The other part of this is that apparently John Angelos had suggested a two-year lease extension in order to buy more time. Let's get this figured out. Let's make this done. Understandably, Maryland officials would say back, let's not mess around with that. Let's just get this squared away right now. Let's get this taken care of. At some point, that could presumably always be revisited if they get to a deadline. Again, I keep saying the Orioles are going to be in Baltimore next season. They have to have an agreement in place in order to play those games. It's possible that if this negotiating continues, they could revisit the, all right, if we got to do a one-year thing, if we got to do a two-year thing, we'll get that done. Right. And that will allow for the people with the conspiracy theories and yeah. to, to, play, to prey on that. I understand that'll be the way that it goes. But as we've continued to say, those of you that keep trying to tie things into Nashville or whatever, you're, it's, you are separated from reality. There is $600 million on the table in Baltimore. Major League Baseball ain't letting anyone walk away from $600 million. There aren't $600 million on the, on the table in public money in other markets. Major League Baseball is not walking away from that with anyone. It doesn't work that way. But how does this go from now? I don't have that answer. Is there a point at which John Angelos says, well, let's go ahead and do the lease if we can continue to go? Is there enough trust between he and Wes Moore that we can do a ballpark lease and separate my view for this village from it Mm -hmm. and continue to negotiate about that in the coming years? I don't know. That looks like that's where they're headed, in my opinion. Because this is an entirely different notion than what I was led to believe. You know, I was not, I was never of the opinion it was going to be a village at Camden Yards. I thought it was going to be a larger, larger worldview. And the way that John talks, he yeah. he has that. But I, I, like the comparison to Atlanta and to these St. Louis and yeah. other places is always I mean, Atlanta, been. Atlanta and the way I've seen racetracks do it is that the, there's enough space right. for people to live within this Correct. this area, doctors' offices, yep. uh, offices, restaurants, shopping. You know, maybe a, a yeah. music venue. I don't, I don't see where that's possible in the in the cutout if, of. If anyone's ever been up to, uh, they do this at the football stadium in Foxborough has this, but again, they went to Foxborough. Right. It's not in Boston. It's in Foxborough. Now I know that in St. Louis they were they did it right around the ballpark, right? Yeah. Like they created this right around the ballpark. I believe at a smaller scale than some of the other ones, mm-hmm. but they did create this this whatever the, I don't even remember what they call it in St. Yeah. Louis. But they did create it right at the ballpark, but some of these other places, um, they they bring up Texas. That's in Arlington. It's ballpark not Village. Ballpark Village is what they call it in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, even what they did with the Xfinity Live thing in Philadelphia, you anyone who's gone up there knows that the ballparks are separated from the city. They're in the south portion of the city where, where they were giant swaths of space where there used to be a, another football stadium and another arena that they tore down. And so they had the space there in order to replace those with this Xfinity Live concept that they put there. So, And, and that's a minimal version of this too as well. That's not you know apartments and you know condominiums, yeah. things like that. That's just a sort of 
restaurant uh, bar area that they put in Philadelphia. I like the idea. I'm in favor of the idea. I think it's a good thing. But are we running out of practicality for it? I, I always ask that question, where? And no one really had a straight answer for me about where. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see right now. I, I get it. You can't, do, you can't take away the parking lots. I understand that in, in a world where you have a better public transportation system, there's not a whole lot of parking, say, at Yankee Stadium. It doesn't exist. But they have a much better public transportation system to make sure that people can get to the games. That doesn't exist here. You, I, I would like to fix that too. Let's let's put it all on the list, right? Like let's improve all of the infrastructure of Baltimore. But there are still a number of people that would say, if I can't park near the ballpark, I'm probably not going to be going to games. And so, it's not practical to do it in the parking lot space. I don't think there's another option at that point, short of taking away people's businesses, taking away people's, and that becomes a far bigger, you could try to make an argument for the greater good, but if you want to give John Angelos credit, I think John Angelos has not wanted to displace where people live or displace where people's businesses run. I think the reason why he wants it in that space is to avoid those things, Mm -hmm. which sounds thoughtful, but just impracticality doesn't work and i don't know where else there is like i you taking away convention center space are you taking away i i don't have a good answer i I, don't have a good answer i I think you're running out of options at this point and at some point the question because i I guess for don john angelos it's twofold does at some point he say to himself well if we can't get this it's not worth it to me and and then then does the angelos family sell the team Or does at some point he say, look, I've tried, I've exhausted every option, I've attempted to try to make this thing work, I want to continue the conversation, I want to see if there's a way, can we look at other places to add parking lot space, so that if we did shift this parking lot space, we could re... I have no then doubt. Then you get into t- taking other space where you've got to dis- it's the same. relocate. There's just, there is not more space downtown. Yeah. It doesn't exist. <sighs> And there's always an amount of money that can make people whole, I guess, but it's a hell of a time to try to be doing that. Like, the real estate market would suggest it's going to cost the state an awful lot of money to try to buy people out of there, or they're going to do it cheap, and that would piss off a lot. There's no way to win this. You can't get everything that you want here. So when do you blink? When do you blink and say, it's it just can't be done. we got to pivot and do something else. And... With a date lingering, I don't know what that answer is. I'm struggling with what the next play is for this. But I'm not mad at him for asking. I can't hide. He's asking. The state doesn't have to say yes. And it's pretty clear the state's not going to say yes. aspirational asks. Correct. Yeah. That I'll ask for a lot. I can ask Stan tomorrow to start paying me $500,000 a year to work here at PressBox. And, with, you know, the fact that they already pay me 400000 you would think that that wouldn't be all that crazy to give it a little bit of a bump, yeah. right? Yeah, that's yeah, right? really tough getting to that 500 It's the 500 is where yeah. the cutoff is. I, I mean, Griffin wants more money, right. too. Right. Exactly. Griffin yeah. said he would prefer to start making $200 a week instead of the, the five that he normally makes, $5 that he yes. normally makes per week. And that's... That's extraordinary. <laughs> Think about the percentage increase that it is to go to from $5 a week to $200 a week. I, we just can't do that. I'm sorry. It's not an option. That's the way that it goes. 
then the, it would set a precedent right. that this can't be met anywhere. So this is just not going to happen. Like the Camden Crossing, this the battery. It's <sighs> I I don't really in. There's no future that this that that specific. There's really no avenue to that. I I don't want to say no. You know, like I don't I, I don't want to speak in absolutes yeah. because you just never know when. But I I am very much struggling with outside of the how. Right, like the the how would be. <sighs> yeah, I mean, the, I, I mean, is there okay? I'll let's let's spitball some things, right? Is there a world in which you could take the warehouse, right? Alter that? It would piss off a ton of people. Like, make it more of an. I, I don't see. I don't see the warehouse being. You know, I. I what What could you do down? What's it? Conway Street that mm-hmm. runs up, that runs from Harbor Place. Okay. Yeah. Down, now that, you're, that, now going you're that talking way. about recreating and that's Harbor a, Place. And that's a huge, you know, intersection of traffic that you're right, dealing right. with there as well, right? right? right that like right. I don't it's, think. Yeah, it's a, tr- it's a tricky, but I guess you could have some sky bridges. Okay. Over from you know. Yeah, I mean that's. By the way, you know, first of all, somebody would argue that if you're going to try to do something that involves people being downtown more frequently, that you'd want to look into. Like that's the whenever anybody goes out to an event in Indianapolis, everybody always scoffs at the idea of there being major events in Indianapolis. Right. Like in the winter, you're going to Indianapolis, and right. then you get out there, and the big takeaway is if you want to, you don't have to go outside. They have built a system of those <clears throat> sky bridges mm-hmm. that connects from hotel to hotel to mall to whatever it is they have downtown in order to prevent you from having to spend much time outside if the weather is that bad that you don't want to. The question is, would something be able to be created along that Conway Street? Would you let's let's spitball for a second. Would you con- conceivably park around the harbor right like as if you were going to harbor place the idea of walking that way to the stadium and this is on the way on the way something along so they just built that giant high rise right there yeah was it for late the something light whatever they call that and then that's the biggest now in the city correct yeah so you'd have to get past those first couple of high rises and then there's a little bit of space. There is some housing over there, so I don't know what you do about that. And then you're butted up against the convention center and that church that refuses to move. Right. Right? That like right. I, has been approached as they've tried to change the convention center over the years. I think they've approached that church with exorbitant amount of money. And the church has said, nope, every time. Yeah. So <sighs> it's... I, I guess the answer would be there had been they... talk about trying to go take the convention center and connect it a little bit more towards the arena. Right. So if one of those hotels were willing to be displaced, right. could you take some of that back convention center area, move it over to where, but now you need to replace that. Like if you want, to, so, if you want events downtown, you need the hotels. Yeah. yeah. So you got to make up for that hotel space somehow. So that was going to be my other, I guess, question. Do you move this, if this Camden Crossing battery-like thing, do you move it somehow north and it's kind of more closer to the arena and then... Well, that was... Obviously, yeah. Well, that was a, a notion. That yeah, was a notion. I don't know where I got that notion, but my idea had been all along that this this vision was from like the Hippodrome right. Down, right. down Utah Street. So if the argument is that you would be taking, you know... Biz- I mean, taking- we'd have to look. We'd have to drive down there and really look at what correct. we'd be talking about yeah. condemning. 
and whether that could be repurposed. Well, and somebody would say if it's office buildings, there's always more of an inclination. Like we're willing, n- nobody cries over losing office buildings. Right. There, now there will be people that will be put out in the process, especially in this day and age where well, everybody true, where people works aren't at really home. working from the office. But nobody cries. You, you don't. You can do that without creating an uproar. If you're taking people out of their homes, if you're taking small businesses out, like. It, that stretch where pickles and sliders right. and yeah, that's it not would create. Fly. I mean, this city would be furious if you were displacing long-standing business owners. Now, like that Chipotle, like that's yeah, nobody cares nobody about cares that, price. obviously, right? Or the Starbucks across the street, mm-hmm. nobody would be mad about losing. But small business owners that have been in their locations for some time, they would be fury over displacing those people. Displacing major office buildings, you can find another. There's more commercial real estate that you can find. If you really want to shift somewhere else in the city, that would not create the same uproar if that were to be the case. But now you are getting further away from the ballpark proper. You know, I yeah. It'd be great to get a like a city planning person in to talk about it. I, I mean, yeah. un- unfortunately, right? I di- I reached out to someone in that field, and, and this they don't is feel like even the awkwardness of this is uh. very real remember mm-hmm. the the story that came out of our friend bill cole like saying i'm perplexed by this situation like bill's a good guy and bill's a guy that would typically probably come on with us but like there's a genuine angst like we got to get this figured out right now yeah. and they're trying to avoid every time any politician has talked they've done everything in their power to avoid negotiating publicly mm-hmm. because they're trying to keep things amicable yeah. and just make sure that this thing gets done so you have westmore on you have the mayor on and they just all say you know, I got 99 problems, but the Orioles aren't one, right? They all say it's going to get they all saying the same thing. And I, I understand the sensitivity of it. I do. This is a major city partner that you're dealing with that you don't want. You don't want to add fuel to the fire. You don't want to be the ones that are trashing their ideas and trashing right. their plans because you still need to hammer this out and, and make this work somehow, some way. I am really staring at like the map of the area around the stadium, yeah. and I am really struggling with this. Like I there's, am just, there, there's, it is, it is killing me trying to come up with an answer. Like I, you know, if if you want to displace, if you could somehow displace the Hampton Inn without displacing the stretch of pickles and all that, that would give you a little bit of space. Um, you know, down the first base line, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It would give you a little bit of space there. That's not really. It's not. That's it's not, not the enough. Grand vision. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not yeah. enough. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. All right. Maybe it'll move the walls uh, in even further. Oh, and the then stadium. they could right, and then they could the take right some spa- stadium space, yeah. and that could become. Yeah. Can they move what is it? The players' parking lot? I don't know. Like I, the, the parking. That's not going anywhere. No, it's, <laughs> that's players' parking lot. Players, but in general, I don't think that the parking lot space is just not enough. I don't think it's in play. I don't. I well, think, yes. Well, like the, specifically the, because the they agreed with the Ravens to the, the number of 4,000. Okay. The agreement they have in place with the Ravens is 4,000. Apparently, there are some other issues that were unfolding in this. Like, the part of the Ravens agreement means that whatever you give the Orioles, we now go back and amend our agreement yeah. to yeah, get that as well. They can't just give the Orioles 300 million more. Right. The, you know. Correct. So, there are bigger That's problems. That's why my here. view of it was always that it was going to be a public private partnership. Um,. It seems like that would be the correct answer. Yeah. That's where we are. All right, we'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get two bit or wind down for the week. It is Glenn Clark Radio.
Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports & Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All Electronic Tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to Easy Pass, pay-by-play, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Bates Overfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pre-game Meet the Team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? 
All right, uh, winding down for the Friday edition of the program and for the week. Stan the Fan Charles in studio with us. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer You mean today. that previous segment wasn't the tidbit? No, I'm still uh, saying I'm telling the entire time I'm like searching the map. I'm not even yeah. I'm searching the map of the entire area. Like, well, could you do that? And I just said to Griffin when you Stan walked out during the break. So the shame of this is everyone hates the Hilton. Right. Right. Like everyone <laughs> hates right. it. Right. And if there had been foresight a few years ago, that would be the ideal spot mm-hmm. would be right there where the Hilton currently stands. But, you know, just just that ain't it. It's where we are. Nothing you can do about it now, and I don't think there's a chance in the hell. What I mean, what, what it would cost anyone to try to get the Hilton off of that piece of property? Yeah, That's and that right. was a, that was a was that a that local? Would. That was a government partnership for the Hilton, wasn't it? Didn't yeah, the? I think it was a city. Partnership. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was a city I, partnership I thought, on the Hilton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not happening. Yeah. Not an option. So you're left with what? And I just, I just keep I'm telling you I'm staring at it I'm zooming in I'm looking at every little street what's like, this place yeah yeah I was staring down Conway Street I'm like well I got nope nope no. just I mean if the, I, you'd have to move the convention but it's not it's not as if I'm projecting that Conway Street would be where all this stuff was going to be it's is is Conway Street simply too far from the harbor place right. Is it too far? Because the harbor place is a disaster now. Oh, you're suggesting that you I'm try to take that like the, the village harbor becomes place area, the old harbor place. Oh, there. that's an intriguing idea, Stan. Yeah. So, okay, so I bridge, thought you were trying yeah, to so find space up Conway no, Street. It was. It was. Is that so long a walk? I think it would be a hard sell. And and didn't they, some, Didn't somebody else just get the rights to redevelop Harbor Place? I I, that might be. Well, let's uh, well let's say that they do they did do harbor like what if they uh, installed a uh, some sort of tram I guess you know that ran you know that was specifically taking people to the ballpark I guess from um, from the harbor I, I'm I'd be interested <laughs> uh, David Bramble right correct was the one who was given the rights right, to redevelop so. Harbor Place yeah um, he would be a great guy to have <laughs> uh, yeah I'd love him I'd I'd love to talk I think the answer he would say is Whoa, no <laughs> like, I think I that's well, what his response would be but. I, I in in theory maybe he'd get great seats at the <laughs> Oriole game. <laughs> that makes it all worth it. I I do think that John Angelos would probably say no. The idea is I we, want it in the you it's yeah. I hate saying it this way because he wouldn't want it to be said that you want to suffocate and like force people to be in this area around the ball games. Mm-hmm. Like you want it to be like as but again those things work when you're not downtown like it's very difficult to both do both accomplish both things is have a downtown ballpark and i i I, I just don't see it i don't i don't see it i'll try to light the mood jake real pointed out from lb.com uh last night uh that uh 12 years ago bryce miller and jordan westberg they played uh a friend of mine who we both know but i don't know if he wants me to say who it was his suggestion was basically the only way this could have ever happen and you can tell me but if you want me to say who that you said this um, suggest the only way this could ever happen is if at some point um, Steve Bishotti or future Ravens owner decided they wanted a stadium elsewhere in 
the area oh, yeah. in order to similarly be able to profit better off of like that's one of the things people would point out is that the Ravens they don't really have they don't the only thing they benefit is just being downtown but they right. don't they don't run any business there's no shop open right. downtown there's no restaurant that they have around the it's the, the stadium only lives for them on there's game days game, yeah, or 10, if they put a, do a yeah. Billy Joel concert or something yeah. like that right that's the only advantage they get out of that stadium so the argument would be at some point if Steve Bishotti decides I've had enough and sells, would a future owner of the Ravens say, why are we so hell-bent about being downtown? Right. Why don't we have some, find some space where we could have when? not 4,000 parking spots, 40,000 parking spots to have tailgating and live and we get the rights we can sell the parking and when john angelus buys the ravens is what you're i don't know think that day will ever come i don't think that day will ever happen be a thing but yeah i mean that's that's probably probably the case bryce miller and jordan westbrook both grew up in texas and they faced off against each other in little league 12 years ago and they hit home runs off of each other Uh, so so 12 years later uh, obviously, Bryce Miller will is scheduled to pitch on Sunday. Yes, let's so hope one have, of those things happens. Because yes. if the other thing happens, <laughs> that would be that be really weird world. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what the circumstances in that game would be that Jordan Westbrook's pitching and Bryce Miller's hitting. <laughs> let's root for the other thing. Uh, speaking okay. of Bryce Miller, uh, he faced off against Chase Silseth last Sunday. They both had ten strikeouts in the Mariners Angels game, um, and that is the second time ever that two rookie pitchers both had 10 strikeouts in the same game. The first time it happened, 1906. Jack Coombs and Joe Harris in a 24-inning game. I, it's funny. I just used those two yeah, names. Yeah, the Immaculate Grid. grid. Yeah. Immaculate Grid. But one of them didn't play for the Rockies. Oh, son uh, of a bitch. We yeah. probably should have known that. Yeah. Probably. 1906, yeah, yeah. I guess the Rockies. Just came a little short. Uh, Matt Olson now has 40 home runs on this season. Ronald Acuna has uh, 53 stolen bases. They are the third pair of teammates in Major League Baseball history. I hear that team's good, by Yeah, the, the way. Braves, not yeah. bad. Um, where one player has 40 home runs and another has 50 stolen bases before the month of September. This is the third instance that that, that this has happened. Can mm, and, and Henderson? Henderson? Uh, no, <laughs> so funny neither. that we both went right there. Neither. Henderson. Neither. No. no. Yeah. Neither, uh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's sure. 50 steals and 40 home runs. Yes. One player had 40 home runs. One player had 50 steals. Uh, Nin- does it involve Maury Wills? It does not. 1970 Cincinnati Reds. 1970 Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds. Reds. Joe Morgan. Stole- not Joe Morgan. Yeah. Surprise. Didn't steal the bases. He did not steal the bases. Uh, what? Pete Rose didn't steal no, that much. Pete Rose. Okay. This is a good it Reds was, team, obviously. Yeah, the big uh, red machine. Is it Tony Perez doing the home runs? It was not Tony Perez doing the home runs. 1970? 1970. Johnny Bench? Johnny Bench had okay. 42 home runs well, we before the one start of September. Finally, so we had a bunch of 12 stolen, guesses. Yeah, right. We had a bunch of stolen bases for the next. Was it Ken Griffey Sr.? It was not Ken Griffey Sr. It was Bobby Tolan. Ah, that's a yes. good, that's 51 a good. Stolen I don't bases. think I was 19, coming up with Bobby Tolan for the record. <laughs> in 1996, the Cleveland uh, baseball team. Which in 96? team? 96? 96. Albert Bell. Albert Manny. Bell. Okay. Kenny Lofton. And Kenny, Kenny Lofton. 50 stolen bases. Yes. All right. Very good. Do another good one or is that good? good. That's uh, good. If you got a quick one, sure. Uh, I mean, I think we could do it quick. Uh, so okay. on Saturday, uh, Gunner played his 100th game of the season. He hit home run number 19. It is the second most by an Orioles player in their first 100 games of their rookie season. Say, um, that, say that one more time. It's the s- second se- most by an Orioles player in their first 100 games of their rookie season. Okay. Gunner with 19. Uh, and uh, so the, the leader had 20 in their first one games. Not no, not Cal. He is he is part of the larger tip I was going to make. So Gunnar now has uh, the ninth uh, most home runs by an Orioles rookie. He's part of what? 
uh, Gunner hit 19 home runs in his first 100 games of his rookie okay, season. Okay, I got that part. Yeah. You right. said something about He's He's going to ask a question yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. going okay. to expand on this thought. Okay. So he, he let him... the, he, at 19 home runs, he is the ninth most home runs by an Orioles rookie. Can you name the eight guys with more home runs during their rookie season? Who, as Gunner tries to... Well, is Cal on that them. list? Cal is on that list, yeah. Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray is on that list. Murray had uh, 27. Cal had 28. That is second and third. Don Baylor. Not Don Baylor. Uh, Trey. Trey Mancini had 24 home runs his rookie year, and he had 20 home runs in his first 100 games rookie of 2017, season. which was his rookie year. His full rookie season. Oh, this is just in a rookie year. Yes. Number one, it, we should know. You're, you're, is Jim Gentile one of them? Jim Gentile is one of them. He had 21 home runs in 1960 as an Orioles rookie. Adley? Not Adley. He didn't hit 19 home runs? No. How many did Adley have last year? How about Kurt Bleffery? Kurt Bleffery is on the list. He had 22 home runs in 65, his rookie season. Mountcastle? Ryan Mountcastle has the most home runs by an Orioles rookie. He had 33, 33. two oh, years ago. Oh, man. Yeah. 33 home runs for Mount. So, wait a minute. That was his rookie year, the 2020 season? 2020, yeah. So, 2020 was excused for all okay. the Because it was so okay. short. That, yeah. So, how many do we have so far? Uh, we have, you have the top four, you have the top five. We have six. We have yes. six of them. Looking nine. for two more in the top eight. And they are old. They are old, old fellas. Are they Orioles? They're not St. Louis Browns, are they? No, they're not St. Louis Browns. Brooks. Not Brooks. Boog Pal. Not Boog. Oh. Um... It wasn't Mike Epstein. Yeah, like not long seasons either with the Orioles there. Like long tenures with the Orioles. Oh, good. Sam yeah. Bowens? Sam Bowens wow. is one of them. Wow. 1964, he had what 22 cool. home runs. <laughs> I don't know. And then finally, Ron Hansen. Oh, okay. And his rookie, his 1960 was his rookie season with the Orioles. He also had... Uh, 22 home runs. Those are some great names for the grid. Yeah, right? Yeah. you got to store those away. But do you know what other teams uh, Sam Bowen's played for? I think he played for the Washington Senators. Bingo. Yep, Washington yeah. Senators. Mm-hmm. And the Look Baltimore at Stan. And then Ron Look Hansen played for the Chicago, Chicago White Sox. White Sox. And, uh, and stint the, with the Yankees and the Royals. And the Yankees, right. And the Royals. There Ended up go. a longtime uh, scout for the Yankees, oh. Ron Hansen. Oh. Who is Brooks Robinson's... Best friend in baseball. I think I knew that. Yeah. I do think I knew that. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise this weekend. Tubular is brought to you by Superbook Sports. Again, Hammer. Stan Charles 23. Hammer. Ravens. Just go outright to win. Don't even bother. Don't play with the points. Just just hammer it because you got a $250 bonus bet up to $250. They're going to match your first bet up to 250 bucks. So make it go put, deposit two hundred fifty dollars. Make that bet. You're probably gonna win, and then add to it that you're gonna get that two hundred fifty dollars back in free bets as well. So do it now. But use that code, Glenn Clark twenty three. Stan Charles. If you're bored, Stan Charles twenty three as well. You can use both codes. Superbook.com. Us old people have to stay together. Stan Charles twenty three. Download the, download the Superbook app. Orioles-Mariners, uh, tonight at 10, Kyle Gibson and Luis Castillo. It's also on MLB Network in the rest of the country. It's on Masson 2 locally. Tomorrow at 9.40, it's on Masson 2, and then it's on Fox Sports 1 in the rest of the country for Cole Irvin and George Kirby. Uh, Kevin Burkhart doing the game tomorrow night for FS1. What do we know about tonight's Masson 
match in two game, do we know who's broadcasting? Tonight? Uh, I, I know who's supposed to be broadcasting the game tonight. Supposed to be. Are his initials KB? It's supposed to be. We will. Um, we will. Man, that was really tough, too, the other day when. I don't know if you heard. I I got told in the afternoon with by the chance. No, on on yeah. Wednesday, I had a couple people tell me, "Hey, by the way, Palmer has COVID." Yeah. And I said, "Well, the fir- the first text I got was there's a COVID issue," and I was like, "Oh God, of the, course is there is. in the in yes. the clubhouse? What a nightmare!" And all I got was there's a COVID issue, and then like, a couple hours before the game, and I just knew that the moment that people turned the game on and saw there's an entirely di- they're gonna. They're going to start running wild with. Right. Did everybody else? Everybody. Did everybody else get suspended, or did they all walk? And I'm like, I I want to say something, but I don't want to put Jim Palmer's business out there. Like I don't. Health is a thing that I. Right. Unless it was my job to be a beat reporter. Right. I'm not going to put someone else's health information out there. So all I said was, tonight's broadcast crew changes have nothing to do with anything with, with anything that's all i wanted to say and I, the guy i feel really bad for is mike Devereux. You know, right devo who, got three three games yep. three weeks ago these were his second three games and he got to do one of them well at least they didn't uh, crowd the anyway tomorrow yeah. night as i said at 9 40 on sunday four o'clock on mass and two kyle bradish and bryce miller some other highlights this weekend, of course, Ravens-Eagles preseason opener tomorrow night at 7 on WBL 11. It's also on NFL Network in the rest of the country. Um, the Women's World Cup uh, quarterfinals continue overnight tonight on Fox. Australia and France, 3 a.m., and then England-Colombia at 6.30 a.m. Uh, Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse final weekend out in Sparks uh, tonight. Or sorry, tomorrow on ESPN Plus starting at 1.00. And on Sunday on ESPN Plus starting at 1 as well. Everything else, you can go to glennclarkradio.com and find it there. Anything non-sports-wise? Uh, the big movie today out on Netflix is Heart of Stone, which is the Gal Gadot, uh, or is it Gal Gadot? I think it's Gal Gadot. But she is, uh, she's Rachel Stone, a like, world-famous uh, special agent, and she oh. has to like go save, I think, all the other agents or something. You, were, looks ju- like- you were just talking about yeah. that the other day. You said, this is an exciting... i got to get I out of here Gal quickly. Gal Gadot in my Immaculate, immaculate Grid? grid? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Right. It seems like she, it's just Mission Impossible, but with Gal Gadot. So. I mean, looks, looks, it, might, it might be okay. Yeah. Um, I like Gal Gadot. Otherwise, I pretty... I like her a lot. Yeah, pretty... Israeli. Couldn't, couldn't really save that last Wonder Woman film. Though. No, unfortunately, no. Uh, otherwise, pretty slow weekend. A new episode of Winning Time on Sunday night on HBO, followed by a new Love series called That's Telemarketer on uh, on HBO. Do you know anything about it? It's like a, it's kind of like a docu series where they go behind the scenes of these telemarketing agents who kind of expose how much of a scam like okay. telemarketing is. It looks right. kind of interesting. It's uh, executive produced by the Safdie brothers and uh, Danny McBride. The uh, the Safdie brothers did uh, the that's that that is that the crew behind the Adam Sandler film, e- right? The they, oh, didn't they do uncut I, uncut gems? Isn't that them? No, that was that was that them? Isn't them? Am I crazy? I thought that was them. What else did they do? He was um. Well, the one was just in Oppenheimer. Uh, well, one of the brothers. I thought that just... I could have sworn that's who made that. Am I? Am I nuts? Have I lost yes, my mind? Yes, it was. Yeah, Thank you're right. You. Yes. Jesus, you were 100 right. Uncut gems. Hey, I'm starting to really get uncomfortable there for a second. Yeah. All right, very good. Just wanted to make sure I didn't give you wrong information. Yeah. Everything else. Big news on the MLB trade. Oh yes, Jose Bautista to officially. I saw retire, retire as a oh. Blue Jay. And of course, here we send him nothing but. Nothing. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Roofnet Odor okay. will send him. Uh, Correct. Nice. A nice fruit basket for sure. All right. Uh, 
Thanks today to uh, Rick Riz. Thanks also to Bo Smolka. We'll get that up in the Greatest Hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. Stan, as always, thank you, sir. Great to see my you. My pleasure. Tomorrow morning, uh, you're on with the guys in the battery. with the guys tomorrow, yeah. 10 to noon, Paul and Zach talking baseball. You can join them, and Stan will be a part of that. And as he mentioned, John Shelby joins he... And um, it's you and Ross and John Shelby on Monday. Monday at 7. Very yep. good. So you can check that out. The Orioles don't play until later, so you can watch that show first and then watch the Orioles game. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Visit Baltimore, Live Casino and Hotel, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook Sports, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. See you Sunday at 1 with Rita on 105.7 The Fan and back here Monday morning, 10 a.m. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Duke sucks.